You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Good morning, everybody. Uh, thanks for coming online with us th- this morning. Um, I won't wear my scarf all morning. I just wanted to say for my fellow Melbourne supporters, congratulations for the win last night. Bulldog supporters, um, commiserations. Sorry for your loss. But uh, after 57 years, I had to wear the scarf on. I'll take it off just to not be a distraction from the Word of God this morning. Um, just love His presence. Thank you guys for leading us. Um, you musicians who have re- uh, recorded. Um, it's amazing to have Nick and Catherine on. And uh, yeah, what a, what a sense of God's presence in our worship this morning. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for your presence again. Lord, we thank you for what you want to do today. Lord, we just ask, Lord, would you um, speak to us? Would you enlarge us? Would you challenge us today? Lord, to, to become more like you, to press into you, to, Lord, to, to even minister from this place of being so full and aware of who we are in you. Lord, we thank you for revelation this morning. We thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. So I'm going to share um, uh, quite a bit of scripture this morning. So I, I hope you guys are cheering along to that. Um, but I want to encourage you to grab your Bible. Um, this, the, the scriptures will come up in our live stream if you're watching live with us if, or if you're watching the video. Um, but let me encourage you, grab your Bible so that you can read along, you can highlight it. I'm going to be reading from the ESV, but if you don't have an ESV, that's fine. Um, and yeah, read, read along with us this morning. I'm going to share quite a bit of scripture. For the last um, few weeks, we've been, we've been continuing to look at what it means or what it looks like to be disciples who make disciples. Um, this thing of discipleship, because despite what's happening around us, despite all the other stuff that's going on or what, whatever season we find ourselves in, our call is unchanging. Our call to discipleship is unchanging. The Holy Spirit's restoring us, and not just us as Melbourne Lights Church, but I think the church around the globe to the main mission that Jesus left us with in Matthew 28. And Jesus says this in Matthew 28, 19. He says, go therefore, or the more probably appropriate is, as you're going, make disciples. Every day, in every way, be making disciples. Um, In Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus says to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I think some of us need to hear that again today in this time. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. The kingdom, the the rule and reign of Jesus is continuing to advance. His kingdom is advancing. His rule and reign is advancing. And we continue to have a choice to partner with what God's doing or to be distracted by other things. We have a choice and, it, and it's a choice every day. Will we partner with what God's doing in this season? So can I ask this morning, what are you partnering with today? What are you partnering with today? Are we doing what Jesus has commanded and commissioned us to do? Are we pursuing and becoming more like him? Are we making disciples of Jesus? Can I, can I invite you and implore you today to be a disciple maker, to be a disciple Maker, we're not gonna we're not gonna change the focus from Jesus and from discipleship. You guys go, oh, you know, when's the next series? We might have other series that come up, but we're not changing the focus from Jesus and discipleship. This is who we are, or as Ethan Pellow, the the man with the mullet, says, it's what we do. I love it. Uh, <laughs> this is what we do to be disciples who make disciples. If Jesus has added you to Melbourne Life Church. Um, can, can, then can, can I ask you, please, to get on board with knowing Jesus and making him known. Being disciples who make disciples. Get serious about it. Don't just leave it to somebody else. Because this is what Jesus 
has called us to do, and we're not changing the subject or the focus from what he's called us to do. We've seen that discipleship is a process of engaging the community, of establishing biblical foundations, equipping believers, empowering disciples. We talked about last week that it's a call to to follow, to fish, and to fellowship. In reality, however you want to describe it, discipleship is relational. Whatever words we want to use, whether it's you know engage, establish, equip, empower, um, you know to to fish, to follow fish and fellowship, or whatever else we want to use, in the end, discipleship is relational. It's about relationship with God. It's about relationship with non-believers. And it's about relationship with the body of Christ, relationship with God, relationship with those that don't know him yet, and relationship with his body. The, the emphasis, if you read the Bible right from Genesis through to Revelations, the emphasis of the Bible is about relationship. Some would say the emphasis is about doctrine or it's about systematic theology. I, I, I want to say I don't agree with that. I think the emphasis is relational. There's a relational thread all the way through. That's not to say that doctrine or theology is bad, but it finds its meaning when we read through the context of relationship. Outside of that, it's, it's, it's a set of rules that are impossible to live up to. It's about relationship with God, relationship with non-believers, relationship with the body of Christ. If God is a relational God, which he is, and he wants relationship with us, his creation, then why would we expect to make disciples in any other way? So if discipleship, if being a, being a disciple who makes disciples is about relationship, then can I suggest that discipleship is a process and not an event? Discipleship is a process and not an event. Passionately engaging the community, intentionally establishing biblical foundations in our lives and for others, strategically equipping believers, constantly empowering disciples doesn't happen Can I say this? It doesn't happen by gathering people together for 90 minutes on a Sunday. Disciples aren't made through church events, just Sunday meetings, conferences, rallies. Those things aren't wrong. I mean, in fact, those things are amazing. They're awesome. But discipleship is a process of relationship, not an event. If the target is to have as many people as possible in a building for 90 minutes a week, then events are a good way to make that happen. We invite the most popular names, whoever's written the, you know, the best, the, the most latest book, whoever has the biggest Instagram following, um, spend more money on production, put all, put all our time and effort into Sunday gatherings. If that's the target, is just to have people in a building, then that's a good way to make it happen. But if the target or the goal is to make disciples, then it's a process, not an event. Elodie and I have uh, been married for almost 17 years. Um, and we've been dating for 21 years. So the 12th of September is our anniversary of starting to date for 21 years. I know we don't look that old. We were babies when we started to date. Um, but, you know, in those 21 years of, of dating each other, we've had the privilege of being able to go to some, you know, some nice restaurants in that time to have some nice meals out. And it's great to go out for a meal. It's great to be able to talk and enjoy the atmosphere and enjoy each other's company. But the depth and the strength of our relationship wasn't formed in the nice restaurant moments. They're nice. They're great memories. They're, yeah, they're, they're fun things that we've done together. But the depth and strength is formed around the kitchen table. 
around the day-to-day, -day, the, the, the meal by meal. I mean, imagine if we only talked to each other when we could go out for a nice meal. <laughs> we, we wouldn't have a relationship, especially not after 18 months of not being able to go out at all. I mean, you know, imagine if that's the way we, we, uh, we, we, we looked at our, our marriage or our relationship. But sadly, many, many believers have treated their relationship with, the, with Jesus and even the idea of discipleship like this. They've lived on an event diet and not a daily process of deeper relationship. Passionately pursuing Jesus is a process. Passionately engaging the community is a process. Building relationships takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. I've sat with, uh, uh, not sat with, been able to walk with some of um, the, the newer people who have joined the church in the last six months and just encourage, you know, encouraging them. It takes time. I mean, you know, I think in, in, to be honest, in, in normal life, whatever that is, you know, when we can be together in person, I think it probably takes six months to really begin to build relationship and feel like you're connected in church community. I don't know how long that takes in, in COVID life and, and that, but it's a process that takes time to build relationships. Investing in people's lives takes time. It might take a year. It might take 40 years of building relationship, love, trust, before someone comes to know Christ. But the joy, the joy of following Jesus and walking in relationship can I suggest is in the journey. The event mentality often makes us destination focused rather than enjoying the journey, but the joy of it is in the journey. If we don't find joy in the journey, then can I suggest that we have become destination focused or event focused rather than on the process of loving Jesus, knowing Jesus and making him known, being a disciple and making disciples. See, uh, establishing biblical foundations is a process that takes time because often there's, there's patterns of behavior, there's patterns of thinking that need to be unlearned and we need, you know, we, need to be, we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. It takes time. Often we have to be set free from things so that we, that we become more like Christ. It's a process. Equipping believers is a process. Empowering disciples is a process. Becoming like Jesus is a process that the Bible calls sanctification. As we choose to follow Jesus and we make him the Lord of our life, salvation comes. Corinthians says that we are a new creation. But the outworking of that, so that as we become more like Jesus, takes the rest of our lives until we go to be with him in eternity. It's this process called sanctification. Now, if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Corinthians uh, 3? Let's go to Corinthians 3. We're going to read from verse 1 to 6. Sorry, not Corinthians, Colossians. Somebody's yelling at me from the background. That's not the right one. Um, Colossians 3. I don't know if you guys can ever hear like um, the people in the background that are MCs. If you can, you can message them and, uh, and encourage them. Um, if you can't, it's all right. They're, they're just there saying amen, and that's not the right scripture. Um, Colossians 3, verse 1 to 6. Becoming like Jesus is a process that the Bible calls sanctification. It says this from verse 1 of Colossians 3. If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things of earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Oh, I can't wait for that day. And this is put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. This is the process 
of becoming more like Jesus. Put to death what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On the account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Verse 9 says, do not lie to one another. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put it off, the old self with its, its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. We're becoming more like him. Here there is not, not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, um, Scythian, slave, uh, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has um, a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord forgave you, so also you must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule your hearts, in which indeed you are called in one body. And be thankful. 28 days of thankfulness. Let's keep it going. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing uh, one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I know I said we we're only going to read to verse 6, but I couldn't stop. You, just got, you can't stop in the middle of that passage. I had to keep going. Um, this is what it looks like to be transformed into the image of Jesus, to become more like him. It's a process, not an event. It's a putting off and a putting on. Put off sinful ways. Put off sexual immorality. Put off the things that stop us from intimacy with him and put on Christ. Dwell on that which is pure and good and noble. Singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. It's a process, not an event. So this morning I want to look at two keys in the process of making disciples. Two keys in the process of making disciples. We read in Matthew um, 16, 18, which I said before, Jesus says to Peter, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. But if you read in verse 19, Jesus goes on to say, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. I will build my church but the, and the gates of hell won't prevail, but I will give you, those who have followed me, believers, the keys to the kingdom of heaven. There's keys that unlock the kingdom. And if we build our lives on the kingdom, that the kingdom is really the rule and reign of Jesus. When the disciples say to Jesus, how should we pray? He says, he says pray, um, your kingdom, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your rule and reign come on earth as it is in heaven. There's keys that unlock the kingdom. And if we build our lives on the kingdom, we won't be shaken. The gates of hell will not prevail. Without these keys, to be honest, we might as well be beating our heads against the brick wall. Without these keys uh, that, that I'm going to share with you today, all the talk becomes rhetoric, and we never move past this discussion of theory. We talk about theory, but nothing ever happens or nothing ever changes. So what are the keys in this relational process of being disciples who make disciples? What are the keys that unlock this in our lives and through us? Firstly, the first key is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. The kingdom of God is advanced through prayer. The kingdom of God is advanced through prayer. I want to show you um, from the scripture this morning why this is true. 
you might go, uh, I don't know about that. I want to show you from the Bible why the kingdom is advanced through prayer. Mark 9, verse 28 to 29 says, And when he had entered the house, this is Jesus, had entered the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast this out? See, the disciples had tried to cast out a demon that didn't come out. And then Jesus comes in and casts it out. And when they're, when they're on their own, they, they, the disciples say to Jesus, well, why couldn't we cast this one out? And he says to them, he goes on to say, and he says to them, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer. In Matthew's account, it adds, this kind cannot be driven out by anything but prayer and fasting. In Acts 1 verse 14 and in Acts 6 verse 4, those who were, who were leading in the church said, we will devote ourselves to prayer. I want to read to you from Ezekiel 22. Let's go, let's go to the Old Testament this morning. Ezekiel 22, and I want to read from verse 25 to 31. And it's, account, it's an account about um, the power of prayer. Ezekiel 22, from verse 25 to 31, it says this. The conspiracy of her prophets in the midst is like a roaring lion tearing the prey. They have devoured human lives. And they have taken treasure and precious things, and they have made many widows in her midst. Her priests have done violence to my law and have profaned my holy things. They have made no distinction between the holy and the common. That's a, that's a word for us. We, may, we have to make sure that we don't make that which is, is holy common. Neither have they taught the difference between the unclean and the clean, for they have, uh, they have disregarded my Sabbaths, so that I am profaned amongst them. Her princes in her midst, stay with me. Her princes in her midst are like wolves tearing the prey, shedding blood, destroying lives to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have smeared whitewash for them. They've, they've washed over what's going on, seeing false visions and divining lies for them, saying, thus says the Lord, when the Lord has not spoken. The people of the land have practiced extortion and committed robbery. This is bad. They have oppressed the poor and the needy. They have exhorted them, uh, exhorted from the sojourner, um, without justice. And that, here's what I want to highlight. And it says, And I sought for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the breach or stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Literally, I looked for someone who would stand before me in prayer, but I found none. Therefore, I have poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with fire from my wrath. I have returned the way upon their heads, declares the Lord. That's a hectic scripture. The Lord looked for someone who would stand in the gap, stand before him in prayer, and he found none. Therefore, his wrath was poured out. Let, let's look in the, in the New Testament, in James 5, verse 15 to 20. James 5, verse 15 to 20 says this, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has uh, if he's committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah, who was a man with a nature like ours, and he, uh, sorry, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth bore its fruits. Verse 19, my brothers, if anyone amongst you is wandering from the truth, let someone bring him back. Let him, let him know that whoever brings him back, or whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering, will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins. There are things 
that God chooses not to do, even though he wants to do them, unless we pray. There are things that God wants to do, but he chooses not to do, unless we pray. It's a rhetorical question, but do you think that God wants to see people saved and restored to relationship with him? Of course he does. I mean, he loves, of course he does. But it's prayer that, really, that releases God to do what he wants to do. Prayer is how God's chosen to partner with us. God is sovereign, but he's chosen to partner with us in prayer. The sovereignty of God doesn't mean that we don't have to do anything because God chooses in his sovereignty to partner with us through prayer. He's chosen to partner with us because one day we're going to partner with Jesus as his bride. The kingdom Everything we're involved in as believers is advanced through prayer. How we see the shift from being friends with people to seeing them come into relationship with God is through prayer. Without prayer, we can engage the community all that we want. We can fish for people, um, all the people that we can find. We can have great relationships with non-believers, but actually never see them come to know Jesus. That's because, <laughs> oh, green from the background. That's because the kingdom is spiritual. The kingdom is advanced through prayer. The rule and reign of God, the kingdom of God, is a spiritual kingdom. And therefore, it's advanced through prayer. One of the keys to being a disciple who makes disciples, not just a disciple who makes friends, is this process of prayer. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. It talks about the, 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 the schemes of the devil um, and the armor of God. Um, but it's all in the context of prayer. Ephesians chapter 6. Let me find it here. We're going to read from verse 10 to verse 18. I told you I've got a lot of scripture, but I, I want us to see this from the word. It's all in the context of prayer. It says this, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, the rulers and authorities, and against the cosmic powers or spiritual powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces in, uh, of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. This is, this is what we have in Jesus. And, the shoe, uh, uh, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness of the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith that, uh, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How? How, how do we do this? Praying, verse 18 says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert. To that end, to prayer, supplication, keep alert. With all perseverance, making supplication or prayer for all the saints. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. The kingdom is spiritual. He says, to this end, put on the, put on the armor of God. Verse 18, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to this end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications. As believers, can I say this? How we respond to the injustice we see around us at the moment. How do we do that? There's so much injustice. 
We're, you know, there's so, so much happening. How do we respond to that as believers? If our faith is in Jesus, then we pray. Then we pray. The Lord says this in 2 Chronicles 7 verse 14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their, heal their land. Our response is not the same as those who aren't following Jesus. Our response is not a natural response because our battle is not against the natural. It's not against flesh and blood. Our battle is a spiritual battle and the weapons we fight with is prayer. The weapons we fight with are not natural weapons. They're spiritual weapons. Our source is not a natural source. Our source is a spiritual source. If we're going to be a people who are making disciples, we have to be those who are willing to pray and who are committed to the process of prayer. Not just thank you, Jesus, for, for this food. Bless it to my body. Amen. The process of prayer, of battling in prayer. See, often prayer is, prayer is a process because we often don't see the results of our prayer straight away. Sometimes it takes time. I have a, a friend of mine who I prayed for in high school, a friend of mine named Clayton, prayed for for two years that he would come to know Jesus. And then it was only two years later, so after four years, that he gave his heart to the Lord. Someone else led him to the Lord. Uh, you know, I, I'm under no illusion that I was the only one praying. I know his, his mom was a believer. She was praying for him. But there's a process of committing to prayer until we see the fruition of that. Mark and Louise, I've shared this example before, but Mark and Louise led a, a discipleship group maybe 10 or 12 years ago. And one of the things that they, um, they committed to do was to commit to pray for, to make a list of people they knew and to pray for them until every single one of them came to the Lord. They made a list of 10 or 12 people and they prayed every time they got together. They prayed in their own times. They prayed and over the course of, of a year, Every single one of them came to Jesus. Are we willing to commit to the process of ongoing, fervent, persistent prayer? Are we willing to commit to the process? It's not just prayer for salvation. It's prayer for the, the discipleship process. It's prayer that people would turn away from their sin and, and, and their wrong mindsets and become more like Jesus. That they become disciples themselves. It's prayer that we would have the heart of God. It's prayer to seek his face, to, to seek his presence. It's prayer that, they, that, that, that us and them would, would, would step into all that God has for them. God's calling us in this season, church. Whether you're in Melbourne Life Church or you're just part of the church, God's calling us in this season, believers, to increase prayer. The first key to being disciples and make disciples is the power of prayer. The second key in this relational process of being disciples to make disciples is the power of the Spirit. It's the power of the Spirit. It's seeing the supernatural released. You know, faith unlocks the supernatural. A.W. Tozer said this, faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. Faith isn't some, some magical power. It, you know, faith isn't, you know, isn't a wand that we wave over the situation. It's a ruthless focus and attention on Jesus. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, it says, Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, or author and finisher of your faith. 
Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Looking to Jesus, keeping Jesus at the center and keeping our focus on uh, fixed on the king is the key to seeing more of the supernatural unlocked in our lives. If you take your eyes off Jesus and you start to focus on the storms, you know, like Peter, who, as he stepped out of the boat, was walking on water in a supernatural moment. He looks to the storms and he takes his eyes off Jesus and in that moment begins to sink. He's in the middle of the supernatural. And he begins to sink because he takes his eyes off of Jesus. Ruthless attention and focus on Jesus is the key to seeing the supernatural release. How do we stay ruthlessly focused on Jesus? Through prayer. This is like, it's inner wine. See point one. The more, the more time we seek his face, the more time we spend in prayer, the more we realize that our battle isn't against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. It's a spiritual battle. Then the more we spend time in prayer, the more we spend time in prayer, the more we're focused on Jesus, the more we see the supernatural released through our lives. The supernatural power of the Spirit is one of the keys to the process of making disciples. We can't do it in the natural. I'm sorry if this is a surprise to you, or if you've been told if you just follow the, the, the 10 steps to discipleship, that people will suddenly become changed. We can't do it in the natural. As much as I would, I would like to be able to strategize and plan you know, to, to engage the community and our friends and our family and our workmates, you know, establish biblical foundations and have a strategy to equip believers and empower disciples, make disciples, it doesn't come down to our work. It'd be nice to be able to strategize. It doesn't come down to our work. It's not a natural process. It's the supernatural work of the Spirit that transforms lives because it's the supernatural work of the Spirit that causes the seeds to grow. We partner with God in the supernatural through prayer and through seeing the supernatural release. In, in, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 6, Paul writes, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. He doesn't say, I planted, Apollos watered, and Timothy caused the growth. I mean, if anyone could say they caused growth, it's Paul. But he says, no, no, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. As much as, as, much as we have a commission to make disciples, and that commission remains the same today, it's still only God who brings growth in people's lives. The Bible says this. It's the Holy Spirit who, in John 6, 44, says, draws all men and women unto salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who waters the seed of the gospel, Romans 1 said. It's the Holy Spirit who gives glory to Jesus, John, John 16, 14. It's the Holy Spirit who is the counselor, John 14, 25. It's the Holy Spirit who is the helper. It's the Spirit without prayer we stop partnering with God. And without the power of the Spirit, we're limited to the natural and to our own strength. Without prayer, we stop partnering with God. And without the Spirit, we're limited to the natural and to our own strength. And for what God's calling us to, that's not enough. It's not enough. Paul writes to the Galatians in Galatians 3 verse 3, Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the flesh? It's a bit of a sarcastic comment. I kind of like Paul's, Paul the Apostle is quite a sarcastic guy in his writing. So are you so foolish that having begun in the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? He's saying, believers, are we so foolish, having been saved and set free by the Spirit of God, to think that we can finish the job in the natural, that we can see the kingdom advanced in the natural? So you might pray, without ceasing for a family member who seems to be far from, you know, maybe as far from God as possible. You're like, it seems like there's no way. But as you pray, 
And in an instant, through the power of the Spirit, God can change their heart. Those who seem totally closed, suddenly God unlocks their heart because of prayer and a release of the supernatural. You can, you can go up to somebody on the street who seems like they're totally close to the gospel and one word of knowledge, one release of healing, one supernatural encounter where, you know, where the presence of God is released and suddenly everything changes in their life. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says that the, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wills. God can change people's hearts in an instant. How do we walk in the power of the Spirit? Through prayer, but also through keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus, who is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Walking in obedience to the voice of God. The closer we are to Him, the more we walk in obedience with Him, the more of His life, of His presence we see in us and through us. Romans 10 verse 17 says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. That word is the rhema word, the, 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 the spoken now word of God. Faith comes through hearing. The emphasis is on relationship. Remember disciples? Discipleship is firstly about relationship with God. The emphasis is relational. It's not a chart or a, pro, you know, the, the, a process that we go, you know, here's five points to take off. It's walking in relationship. It's intimacy. It's closeness with, with him. Discipleship is relational. We have to walk in close relationship with him, listening to his voice, doing what he says, so that we can help others walk in close relationship with him. Contend in prayer for the supernatural to be released in and through you. Go after it. Don't settle for the natural. Can I encourage us, church? We have to contend in prayer and in intimacy for a greater release of the supernatural. The world around us needs to see a demonstration of the Spirit of God. Discipleship is relational, and relationship or discipleship is a process, not an event. Engaging, establishing, equipping, empowering is a process, not an event. And the keys to that process is the power of prayer and the power of the Spirit. God's calling us right now whether you're part of Melbourne Life Church or you're listening from somewhere else, and if you're listening from somewhere else, whether it's live or it's on our podcast, we welcome you and thank you for tuning in. But God's calling us right now to increased prayer and an increased demonstration of the supernatural. Will you say yes to this call? This is not just a call for leaders. This is not just a call for those who are already doing it. This is a call to, to every believer to increase in prayer and to see an increase in a demonstration of the supernatural. A broken world needs to see the supernatural power of God being released in and through us in this time. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers in heavenly places that don't want to see people turn to Jesus. They don't want to see his kingdom advance. But we don't fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. Our fight is in prayer. Your fight, my friend, sir, man, husband, wife, your fight is in prayer. Not with natural weapons, with spiritual weapons. Stay united. Don't allow the enemy to get, to, to get you to isolate yourself or to make you think that this is a natural battle, that we have to fight with natural means. I want to challenge you today. Increase your prayer and contend for an increase of the supernatural. Increase your prayer 
and contend for an increase of the supernatural. For those that are part of Melbourne Life Church, can I, can I take a moment to talk to us? I was so stoked at how many people turned out to our Zoom prayer meeting a week and a half ago. But to be honest, I was also devastated at how many didn't. But you know, here's the thing though in this. Prayer together comes from an overflow of personal prayer, which tells me that many of us who God's added to Melbourne Lights Church need to step up in our personal prayer and take it more seriously. I don't know how much more strongly I can say it, but we have to stop trying to fight spiritual battles with natural means. The kingdom is spiritual and it's advanced through prayer and the release of the supernatural. We have to step up in prayer and be a people who release the supernatural to those around us. Let's respond to Jesus today. If you've let prayer slide, would you get back to it today? If you've never prayed, now, right now, is the time to start. Make time, carve out time. It's not just gonna magically appear. Make time, put it into your diary now. I'm going to pray. And you know what's gonna happen? Everything's gonna try and stop you and distract you from that because the kingdom is advanced through prayer and the enemy doesn't want you to pray. Make time to pray. Ask God what's on his heart. Say, God, give me your heart. Show me your heart. Show me what to pray for. Show me how to pray, Lord. Seek him in relationship and let him lead you in that. And if you've let your focus, your, your focus shift away from a single-minded fixation with Jesus to anything else, and I know there's a lot of stuff vying for our attention in this season, very real things, but if our focus has shifted away, bring your focus back to him today so that faith can rise again in your life. And we begin to see more of the power of the Spirit released. Contend for the supernatural in and through you. Contend, seek the Lord, seek his face. Humble ourselves and be a people of prayer. Can I pray? Wherever you are, can I invite you to respond this morning? Oh Lord, we thank you for your presence. We seek your face. Lord, let us be a people of prayer. A lot of people of the supernatural. Lord, who find ourselves in the place of prayer. Lord, would we commit to the process of sanctification, of holiness, of becoming more like you. Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that anything that is not of you in our lives, Lord, anything that's unholy, Lord, right now would conviction come. Lord, we turn away from that. We repent of that. Lord, and we say, would the holiness come Again, Lord, to your people, we commit to the process of discipleship. We want to be disciples who make disciples. I ask that you would change my heart, that you would change our hearts this morning. We don't want to fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come, your will be done. So we commit ourselves again, Lord, as a church. We commit ourselves, those who are listening, Lord, who might not be part of this church, but they're, they're following you to prayer, to be a people of prayer, a people of presence. Bring us back to a single fixation, a single attention upon you, Jesus. Lord, we bless you. We bless what you're doing. We, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the testimonies of healing and of open doors for outreach, Lord. Lord, but we're not satisfied. We want to see more. We want to see more. We want to become more like you, Lord. So we commit again to prayer, to be a people of prayer. Help us increase our prayer lives, Lord, and to see an increased release of the supernatural. Lord, let us be a people, Lord, who genuinely demonstrate the supernatural to those around us. 
that which can't be explained except in you. We bless you, Lord. We bless what you're doing. Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm going to hand back to, uh, to Deej and Elodie. And, um, it, be, before I do that, if you're listening or you're watching today and you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you to make him the Lord of your life. I want to invite you to, to start this journey, to start this process of following him and becoming more like him. And, I, and, I, and can I tell you this? There's so much freedom and peace and adventure and joy in following him. It's not always easy, but Jesus, fun. I want to invite you to turn away from your sin. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you repent of trying to do it yourself and turn to him, that you will be saved. So if that's you today and you're listening, would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, I believe that you are the Lord, the King of kings and Lord of lords. I believe that you died on the cross so that I can be set free. I invite you to come be the Lord of my life. I'm sorry for living for myself, for doing things my way. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from things that don't honor you. And I turn to you. I ask, would you come right now and set me free right now? Would you come and fill me with your peace and your life and your spirit and your joy? My life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As Dee said before, if you prayed that prayer, please reach out and let us know. Guys, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm going to hand back to Elodie and Deej. Be blessed. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.